Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. All right, time right now to find out everything going on in the world around you, all the important stuff, the the cutting-edge news, the latest and greatest happenings in the world of what we actually give a damn about around here. Yes, this is the Decibel Geek Podcast, and this is GeekWire, your weekly dose of the latest and greatest news in the world of rock and roll. Brought to you by myself, Aaron Camaro, and my main man right here who's always in the know, Mr. Chris Sinzak. How you doing, brother? Doing good. I uh, got some interesting stories to cover today, and I actually just found one right as we were getting started that we'll add to the list. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, clearly the number one news story since the last time we've done GeekWire is easy for me, and you don't even have it listed on here. Holy shit, Ugly Kid Joe is coming back to America. Yeah, should have put that on there, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, man, I've been waiting and waiting. Like, we had the GNR episode in between. I was like, I can't wait to talk about this on GeekWire. I mean, for years, as long as we've been doing this podcast, you know, I'm, I like to consider myself top echelon of Ugly Kid Joe fans. You know, I've kind of become known for that over the years and have cried and cried and cried the way, you know, a man would normally cry for re- reviews and recommendations. <laughs> I've cried for an Ugly Kid Joe U.S. headlining tour. And throughout the years, every time they'd make an announcement, you'd get excited and look, and it'd be like, oh, we're, it's Europe, or oh, it's Australia, or it's Europe again, or it's all these festivals all over Europe. And we could never figure out why, you know, every speculation, people wondered, you know, what is the deal with this? And then the fateful day came where Ugly Kid Joe made a post on their Facebook page that just had two big eyeballs and it said tomorrow and i was like huh (laughs) could it be and i thought no you know it's just going to be another announcement they're doing a big rock am ring or something like that you know it's going to be in germany it's not going to be here but you know i talked to my ugly kid joe consultant metal mike (laughs) up in louisville and i say hey have you seen this what is it? You know, normally he knows or has a pretty good idea. But this time he was like, man, I don't know. I said, could it be? Yeah, I doubt it. Next day came and holy shit, tour dates all within the U.S. Ugly Kid Joe headlining and they're bringing Fozzie along with them. And so this upends my life. <laughs> <laughs> Like everything I'm in the middle of doing comes to a screeching halt. 
And, you know, this is something probably a lot of the listeners that are about my age can relate with nowadays when there's a tour announcement, if it's on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, where you actually have to do a screenshot zoomed in on the dates on the bottom of the poster and then download it and reopen it and then do the thing with your fingers where you spread it apart and make it real big so you can actually see. That's what she said. And the first thing I do is I go... Nashville. And I was like, shit, no Nashville. I go, okay, Atlanta. You know, that's always my number two. You know, Atlanta's fun town to visit, good place to go to concerts and have a good time. Looking at Atlanta, I was like, oh, yeah, there's an Atlanta date. And I'm like, shit, I'm going to be in Wisconsin when that's happening. What do I do? What do I do? You know, my life gets turned upside down by this to where I'm looking at going maybe Moline, Illinois. You know, maybe I could talk my wife into stopping and catching them somewhere on the way up to Wisconsin where we're already scheduled to be at the end of May. It's a great destination to go to for vacations. Moline, Illinois rocks. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> I actually had to look where Moline yeah, was. You where know, the hell I had is no Moline? Idea. <laughs> So, I mean, it's on the way up to Wisconsin, but then I get looking and it's like, okay, you know, the very next day after that is a show in Indianapolis and, you know, we got friends up there and I know Metal Mike will go to that one. And so I talk to the wife and we work it all out and like, okay, if we leave at this day at this time and we go here, then we can go there, catch Ugly Kid Joe. And then from there, we can make the trip back home to Wisconsin and visit family. And it's like, this is amazing. It's perfect. So, yes, I'm going to see Ugly Kid Joe in Indianapolis. I do believe Chris Sinzak is going to Indianapolis to see Ugly Kid Joe. Am I right? I, I think I've talked the wife into it. I mean, she was. <clears throat> we were considering the Bahamas, but I'm like, yeah, come on now. Indianapolis, pretty pretty good rival <laughs> city. Um, but, no, I think she's in because, well, she wants to see the Fugers. And then uh, – you know, Metal Mike, I want to see, and then uh, actually, just I did an appearance on Ages of Rock last night, and um, Bill Bill uh, Algae is going to be at the show too. Nice, awesome. So yeah, I know a lot of people going to the show in Indianapolis. So look it up, Ugly Kid Joe's on tour in the United States. Can you believe it? Our prayers have been answered. And if you want to hang out with us, we're going to make a day of it. We're going to get down there a little bit early, find a a nice uh, drinking establishment nearby. And uh, in the meantime, all I'm doing is hoping and praying that there's an opportunity for meet and greet because that was the other part of it is like there was two different prices when it came time for the tickets to be listed. So we assume that when me and Metal Mike were laughing because we're like a couple of 14 year old, you know, in sync fans or something just yep. giggling and can't believe it. You know, and we're talking back and forth and our wives are laughing at us because we're ridiculous and, you know, just planning it out. Like, how is this all going to work? And then we're emailing the venue, trying to find out if there's a meet and greet. And then we're emailing the band, trying to find out if there's a meet and greet. I actually got through to the band, to the management. Uh-huh. And they let me know that at this time there, there was not a meet and greet, but possibly something a little bit later down the line might be announced. And I said, oh, you know, it sure would be sweet to meet the band. <laughs> why don't, if I end up going, why don't we see if we can do an interview? That would be amazing. That would be so cool. Yeah. We have to bring Metal Mike with us, just like we did the time with Bobby Rock. And uh, Michael Wagner. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, he's proven he's pretty well behaved in these situations. So I, I think it's only fair that we bring Metal Mike with it, us if we get that to work out. As long as he doesn't run into Sebastian Bach later. <laughs> 
that's a fun story back in the archives somewhere. So yeah, number one news story on the whole freaking planet, especially if you're a good old American like myself, longtime fan of Ugly Kid Joe, been waiting for years for them to do some shows back in the United States, and 2023 is finally the year it's happening, and we talked about it last week, I mean, this truly is the year of Aaron Camaro, not only will I get to hang out with Stevie Rochelle at Rockin' Pod from Tough, but I'm going to go see Ugly Kid Joe in concert later this year, so... Fucking awesome. I love it. In regards to Ugly Kid Joe, after all these years of you getting on the soapbox about them playing America, take a bow. You're welcome, America. Yeah. Congratulations, and you're welcome. And that also is a thank you and a you're welcome from uh, Loose Cannon yep. from Cobras and Fire. He he helped me spread the word and, and plea and beg, and I'm sure they heard the special Ugly Kid Joe episode I did with him, and I'm sure that was part of the decision-making in the process. And, you know, I'm sure that he's heard us talk about them on the Ugly Kid Joe's heard us talk about them on Decibel Geek so many times, and it's like, you know, this Aaron Camaro guy, it's it's time that we bring it back to America, if nothing else, but for him yep. and for Metal Mike and for Loose Cannon. And so, like Chris said, you're welcome. <laughs> like the ugly kid Joe bat phone went off. Hey, Camaro's talking yeah. about us again. We've, we've got to play yeah. America now. i got to get a little sticker that says, I did that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> it's awesome, man. I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's been a while since we've done GeekWire, so I forgot to put it on the list. But no, that's that's a good way to lead off the show. Been dying to talk about it. All right, well, so we've covered of Ugly Kid Joe. Now we have to talk about Kiss. That's only right. So, uh, it you know, first off, congrats to our buddies at Podcast Rock City. They got Doc McGee on their show. That's very cool, man. I saw that, and I said, that's awesome. Couldn't have happened to better guys, and they did a hell of a job with the interview. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, of course, I watched the replay because my Chiefs were uh, making their way into the Super Bowl at the time they did the interview, but uh, it was – I have to brag for a second. But, um, no, it was cool that uh, that they got Doc on, and they had some good questions for Doc, and it was a nice, loose, fun interview. And uh, Joey Casada was on there, and he brought Steve Brown from Trickster along, and uh, – it was a it was a lot of fun to watch. So our first story comes from that interview. Um, Doc McGee says the final show of the end of the road tour will definitely happen in 2023. Is that right before they kick off the 50th anniversary tour? I have a little bit of behind the scenes intel, and um, <laughs> I'm leaning to say you're correct. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. And then the 50th anniversary tour will last like three years. Yeah. And then, and then, hey, now it's time for the 53rd anniversary tour. Um, uh-huh. But now he said, uh, he said that it, they would be finalizing the announcement in the next like 10 days. But um, I don't know. The, they did their best to get great info out of Doc, but also Doc, uh, Doc goes to the Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley School of Interviews where he will find a way to kind of say a lot of words without giving you a direct answer on certain things. So yeah, it, you do have to kind of read between the lines on some of the stuff he said. But one, one interesting thing he said that I was a little surprised by was the, um, that, you know, he's like how devastated even to this day, Gene and Paul are that the original four did not continue and that they, you know, that, that they couldn't keep it together with Ace and Peter. And he said that, 
he it was him that had to convince Gene and Paul that they could go forward without Ace and Peter. So it's his fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if it weren't for that, then we wouldn't have got all these awesome Ace Fraley albums over the years. Where with Kiss, we haven't gotten any. Yeah. Would that have made a difference? Would Ace have been pushing, hey, we need to get in the studio, we need to make new music? Because yeah. he's the only one of the four originals that really seems to be artistic enough to, you know, I don't care that this isn't going to go number one on Billboard. I'm just going to release it because I enjoy creating. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the only one that still does it. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because... um with Psycho Circus, when it came out, you know, radio play and album sales were still kind of a thing. And I almost wonder if the reunion happened more in modern times, if they would have been more, if they would, I don't know, maybe they would have put out more stuff like Ace does now, because, you know, at the time it was, let's chase the hit, which is why Psycho Circus is what it is. But it's almost like in modern times, I almost think it would give them more the freedom to, do a record that they want to do of songs that sound more like them and just have that as the, because I mean, the touring is going to be your bread and butter. So um, it does make you wonder what if, if, if they, if they could have really gotten it together back then and done another record, but I don't know, man, the, the personality clashes. I think if Ace had agreed to stay and it was Ace and Eric Singer, it would have been interesting to hear what that lineup could have put together. I think it would have been good stuff. Yeah. Or it would have been nothing at all. Who knows? You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I Doc says the last show will be announced this year. But like I said, I've heard some rumblings behind the scenes that there is a 50th anniversary tour being worked on. Wow. Now, 2028. Now. End of the street tour. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Um, other big tour that just got announced, and uh, this is this lineup or this co-headlining lineup happened, I think, about ten years ago. But it's kind of cool that they're doing it again. Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper have announced their Freaks on Parade tour along with Ministry and Filter. Did you see this? That's right. Yeah, I did see that tour the last time it came. It was many years ago with Wednesday Thirteen opening, and that's one of the best shows I ever seen. Caught that at the Municipal Auditorium here in Nashville. It was an awesome, fun time. So yeah, surprisingly, it's they're playing at Bridgestone Arena here in Nashville in September. Um, oh wow, I saw they were playing in Nashville, but I didn't know they were playing at the arena. I mean, we're talking football arena. Yeah, it's uh, it's or, the, the, or I should say the the hockey arena. Yeah, it's where the Predators play. But it just, I mean, I I lo- I want to go to this show. I don't care where it's being played. I'll, I'll definitely go if it's it's Alice. So of course I'll go. And actually, I'm I'm not a giant Rob Zombie fan, but if you haven't seen him live, you should see him because he's a, it's a fun show. Oh yeah. Um, I'll go, but it is a little surprising that they're put, trying to put this in Bridgestone Arena because that's a massive play. I don't know if they're gonna even sell a half house on this. Seems like a municipal show to me. I mean, when we went and seen them at Municipal, which is considerably smaller, it was a packed house. I don't know if they had to turn people away. Okay, instead of turning people away, we'd rather have some empty seats. But I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know how that it's it should be interesting. I'd like of course I'd love to see him pack it out. Mm-hmm. But I mean last time we saw us Cooper was at the uh T Pack yeah. which is a theater. I don't know. I don't know if they'll be able to fill that thing up, but I do know no matter how many people are there, whether it's ten or ten thousand, it's gonna be an awesome show. 
Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. I, I don't know, I guess with well with John Five doing the Motley Crue dates, I wonder who's gonna be Rob's guitar player for this run. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Marilyn Manson's doing much these days, so he can't steal his guitarist. Right. I'll be there either way, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the sales go for this. And they're playing a lot of like amphitheaters and arenas on this, so we'll see how it shakes out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Ministry and Filter opening up those shows. Filter, I wouldn't mind seeing. I've never seen them live. Um, I've seen Ministry before, and it was painful. Yeah. <laughs> Not very good. They didn't ding-a-ding-dang or dang-along-ling-along? Well, they did all that, but it just it, 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 <laughs> it doesn't work live. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. Al, and Al Jurgensen was, like, fucked up out of his mind. Wow. But, yeah, here's the story that... I saw this in the side notes on the on uh, Blabbermouth that I was and I didn't realize this was a thing. Falling in Reverse has released the official music video for the band's new single "Watch the World Burn," and the clip the the clip uh, has a scene where a Sebastian Bach lookalike gets hit in the head by a falling laptop. Huh? You heard about this war of words between the? Oh scene. yeah, I do remember that now. That was a big thing, you know, I guess a few months back mm-hmm. where they couldn't do the show because they didn't have their laptops. And Sebastian Bach was like, I don't need laptops to play rock and roll. That's terrible. I need Baco here for this. Dude. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, I got to give them credit for the comedy of that, putting that in their video. And I'm sure it's going to get a nice response from Sebastian on Twitter, who will probably go nuclear about it. But uh, I, our friend Tyson was on um, one of these cruises. I can't remember which one. This past ship rocked, I think. And uh, Falling in Reverse was one of the bands playing on it. And from what, what I saw in his post... Ronnie Radke, their singer, is just a massive douche and like didn't show up for their meet and greet or anything. Well, that's no good. Yeah. You got fans paying their money to come meet the band, and then you don't even show up. Yeah, and I heard he was he was rude to numerous people on the boat. And they kind of suck, too, musically, I, I'm saying. Our middle child got it. She was really into him in high school, and I tried listening to him a few times, but I was just like, eh. I mean, there's some there is some talent there. Some of the guitar playing is pretty wild, but it's uh, yeah, it didn't really click for me. No, me neither. Don't care for it. I'll actually take Sebastian Bach musically over those guys any day. Yeah, when you're when you're making Sebastian look like the stand-up guy in the room, you're really accomplishing <laughs> something. Are you challenging me to a douche off? <laughs> douche. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. Um uh, in other tour news that you'll probably want to avoid, Dokken has announced tour dates for February and March of this year. Um, they're playing New York, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois. And um, I don't know. Uh, if you've seen any live footage of Dokken in the last year or two, uh, it's it's kind of painful to watch. It's not good. It's not good at all. And I love Dokken. I do, too. Those early albums, hell yeah, awesome. Don Dawkins was ama- was an amazing singer. Yeah, George Lynch, the whole band, you know, was just killer. You know, I wish Dawkins could still be going full force and playing shows and out there doing it and getting the respect that they deserve as being one of the premier bands of that era. But I don't know, man. Even if I was like the biggest Dawkins fan that there ever, ever was, 
I don't know that I'd want to buy a ticket to go see this. Not with the way Don sounds right now. No, because the guy doing the background vocals is doing more than what Don does. Yeah. Don just kind of talking through it. We're getting to a point where you, you almost prefer the tribute bands just because, you know, at least you're going to get a solid show out of it, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it goes again. As long as they're getting paid to do it, you can't fault them for going out and doing it. As long as people are buying tickets to it, you can't blame them for going and getting it, you know, and doing it. Because, I mean, that's what you've done your whole life. You love doing it. You love performing. And people still want to see you do it. So, I mean, you just you can't fault nobody for doing it that way. But, man, Don Dockin does not sound good. No, he's, he's had a lot of health problems the last couple of years, too. So um, obviously he's trying to pay the bills, and I get that. But I, I w- I'd like to see George Lynch live. Um, but he's, even when he does these shows with him, he's only doing like three songs at the end of the night with Don. And I don't, I don't know why. Maybe that's the only, the only amount of time they can stand each other. I don't know. It was like figured out in the contract ahead of time. Like, I will only be required to be in your presence three hours a day. I Mm, how about two like okay two hours a day so that means what you're gonna be backstage for a little while before the show you come out and do a do some songs how many songs uh, i don't know four or five hmm how about three <laughs> like ah uh, okay three songs george that's all you gotta do yeah, agreed where do i sign Right. <laughs> uh, back to Kiss. Uh, did you see this announcement about the next off the soundboard release that's coming out? Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give it to Kiss a little bit here because as much as they seem to just release the same old bullshit over and over again in their plain ass Pearl Jam looking cardboard live album sleeves, the last couple have actually been pretty cool. And this one is really special because they tell me that it's the only known quality recording of an entire show featuring Mark St. John on lead guitar. Yeah, it's at uh, it's from uh, November 28th, 1984 in Poughkeepsie, New York. And I know he did the he did that show and he did a show in Baltimore and I don't know if he did anything else, but this was like one of the only full shows that he participated in and I think it's cool. It's uh, anything with Eric Carr on it is cool, but I do have a a slight bone to pick with Kiss on a couple of things with this. So, the have you seen the packaging that of what they're offering for this? I just assume it's another cheap ass cardboard thing with a stamp on the front of it. Well, it's got that, but they also do you know t shirts and prints and all kinds of extra stuff that oh, you yeah. can order. Well, part of it is they. They like the images they have. It's just Gene and Paul, no Mark or Eric, which I, I don't get that. But I saw those shirts. But weren't those shirts from that era? Like those were like reprints of original shirts from those times. Well, the shirt with the woman's hand ripping through the shirt, like on the Animalized Live Uncensored, that's from back in the day. But there's like something with the just images of Gene and Paul on it. I don't know if that's from back in the day or not. But I'm thinking, wouldn't it be a good idea? to have Mark and Eric be involved. And then the other thing is it comes with like a set of yellow guitar picks and you would think they would put like the signatures of each member on them. No, they put the makeup icons on there. What does that have to do with the makeup icons? 
We got a bunch of extra of these laying around in the warehouse. We got to get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If you're going to do something special, which this is, you know, no doubt about it, it's very cool. You know, where I expect Kiss just to release stuff from the 70s or from Psycho Circus onwards. Mm. For them to release something in between and then something kind of rare and cool is this. I like it a lot. Again, I think you're the most visual band in the world. You could be releasing albums with amazing covers on them for these with beautiful artwork that people are going to cherish. And we talked about it before how, you know, Kiss just kind of ripped off Pearl Jam to make it look like true bootleg albums, you know? Right. But that's boring. That's not Kiss. That's the opposite of Kiss where you guys could be releasing something that people look at and, you know, remember and think, oh, the cover of that album was awesome. Think about like Kiss Alive 1. How awesome the cover is on that. Why couldn't they have found shots from these shows to feature as a part of a visual thing to go along with it? I don't like that, that they take the cheap way out when they are one of the most visual bands of all time. I expect something cool and visual to come with it on the cover. And then, you know, yeah, this is awesome. You're doing this thing with Mark St. John and Eric Carr. They're gone. You know, this is some legacy stuff right here, something to remember these guys by. So include them in that. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, to me, it's like, I don't know if you follow much of the bootleg market, but there's like some bootleg vinyl of Kiss stuff that other people make, and it, 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 the packaging is insane. It's like there's yeah. there's like full-color books on it and all kinds of cool, you know, goodies to go with it. And it'd be like, you go to Kiss and be like, look at all this awesome bootleg stuff, guys. This is what you guys should do. And then Kiss comes back with, best I can do is a cardboard cover. Yeah, that's not bootleg. <laughs> this is bootleg. And imagine how much money we save. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like these bootleg CDs that Chad Hill sent. And I got them up on the shelf, and I was looking at them. And they've got really cool covers. The artwork on them is really awesome. Yeah, it's almost the bootleg stuff is almost more fun. Because the fans give a shit, and the fans understand this is a visual band. If you want people to understand what they're looking at is Kiss, then you put a kick-ass picture of Kiss tearing it up on stage on the cover. Yep. That jumps out at people. If this were the day and age when people actually went to CD stores and music stores and stuff, I mean, even nowadays people do go to vinyl stores and flip through and see what's new and stuff. Have something that jumps out at people. Somebody that's never known Kiss before isn't going to think shit of that cardboard stamped cover. But you hand them a copy of Kiss Alive, they're going to take one look at it not knowing what this is and go, holy shit, I want to hear this. Right. I want to hear these guys. Your visual is half, uh, well, I don't know about the percentage, but it's a big part of what has always brought fans to KISS. The way they looked, how they didn't look like anybody else, how they always looked cool as hell. And that's something that people look at and go, I don't know what this is, but I want to know about it and I want to hear it right now. Right. So take advantage of that. That's you guys have built that legacy and then giving your fans what they like, you know, fans who like kiss love visuality to come with their rock and roll. Give them that. Yep. Um, but otherwise it's cool as hell, man. I think that's awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably end up, I'll order the, at least the CD of it just to have it. But, uh, 
I'm not doing 50 bucks for the vinyl. That's a little too much. But uh, I uh, another interesting story, um, the Metal Hall of Fame recently inducted Twisted Sister, and uh, most of the band got up on stage and did a reunion performance. Uh, Eddie Ojeda couldn't make it because he had COVID recently. Oh, man. But Eddie will be at Rockin' Pod in March. Somebody had asked Dee Snyder about uh, doing any more shows. He said he gave it a hard no. He said no plans at all to do that. But uh, they look pretty good in the footage. And actually, it was funny, small world thing. Because so Eddie didn't make it. And the guy they had playing guitar in his place was uh, Keith Robert War, who was actually in the Fraley's Comet All-Star thing at Cruise Fest that I worked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, happy for that guy. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. I like that. But yeah, so no no new Twisted Sister dates to come. It was just a one-off, it looks like. I suppose everybody goes D. Schneider, and these guys go, hey, these other old geezers are still out here doing it. I mean, look at the corpse of Don Dockin. He's still making money. How come you guys hang out on tour? <laughs> I think D's made more than enough money to last him a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, especially after selling off his music. I mean, you hear we're not going to take it on every commercial for erectile dysfunction to <laughs> some politic bullshit. How did Viagra not license Let's Get It Up by ACDC? <laughs> it just makes so much sense. Or You Make Me Rock Hard by Kiss. I mean, there's a million of them. Yeah. they might, If I was running, you know, which this is why I'm not running their marketing, uh, I would just totally just make a joke out of it and do all kinds of, you know, innuendo songs from the 80s. Yeah, there'd be a lot of 80s bands getting paid if I was in charge of that job. Rise to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So many. We could so do a many. whole episode just on uh, erection songs. Call it Boner Rock. You could do a whole podcast about it. The whole subject is so- songs about getting boners. And you can make it last for years. <laughs> and uh, But if you do, you should probably call a doctor. If this episode lasts more than four hours, be sure to call your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Boner Jokes and the Decibel Geek Podcast. These things belong together. Yeah. What a bunch of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, and now for a serious topic. <clears throat> uh, Pantera had some shows booked in Germany and I think in Vienna, Austria, and they've been canceled because, uh, quite literally, because of uh, Phil Anselmo's past comments about white power. And um, one of our listeners sent me the article i was like i'm worried about this for the metallica tour but my take on this um i don't think this is going to threaten much of the rest of the tour but you also have to view that part of the world and through a different lens because when you consider what took place in that part of the world right uh they, they don't fuck around when it comes to that type of stuff so no no way not in germany because i mean yeah that's a huge stain on their history so you don't bring it up right when you're there you know i mean you don't bring it up anywhere really right. but i mean i mean you got to understand why they take that so seriously yeah and i mean some people you know they're voicing their opinion like i'll oh, get get on with your life phil said it x number of years ago but it's like well yeah but it's one of those things where you know you you, you have the freedom to say whatever you want but you also have to face consequences right. because other people have the freedom to cancel your concert so. But I always heard the story behind that was it was like a kind of a joke thing because they'd been drinking white wine backstage and that other people had attested to this 
that they were saying white power based on the power of drinking white wine. I, I never bought that. That sounded flimsy to me. Yeah, it does kind of sound flimsy now that you say it, but <laughs> like, oh shit, make something up. And then the stone, that's what the stoner guy come up with. I think, I think Phil put his foot in his mouth big time and, um, and he, he might have those types of thoughts. I don't know. Um, it's not my job to play judge and jury with him. So, um, to me, I still love Pantera's music. Uh, Phil's probably not someone I'd want to hang out with, but, uh, that's his business. But if, if promoters want to cancel their appearances, that's, that's their, that's their business too. But I, I don't think it's going to affect the Metallica tour. I really don't. I don't know. I don't know what you, you want to say. I hope not. But then, you know, it's it's a lesson. You know, it's a lesson to even if you're joking around, you really got to watch what you say. Yeah. Like in this time and age where cancel culture is so prevalent, even a joke can be taken the wrong way and you can suffer from it. And if you're out there saying stupid bullshit, then maybe you do need to suffer from it a little bit to learn a fucking lesson. But that's not really for me to say either way, I guess. No, well, I'm not the promoter, so it's not my problem. So I just, uh, I still want to see Pantera and Metallica. Hopefully uh, I'm able to when it happens. Phil, please be on your best behavior from here on out. And uh, in a very unlikely pairing, uh, apparently Joe Elliott is guesting on a new version of ghost song spillways. Have you heard this? I have not. Well, apparently it, it's being made out to be a bigger deal than it really is because the song already came out by Ghost, and then I guess Joe just appears on like two different lines in the song. So it's just a kind of a way to get press out of it. But uh, my first thought was, pour some Satan on me. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first thought. Huh? That, that was my first thought. Immediately. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a weird pairing. Um, it is weird. But uh, Ghost is kind of the the big deal in the in the rock world, and Metal Mike's getting a boner right now because I'm talking about Ghost, and I'm not bashing them because um, he loves that band. But I, I they haven't really clicked for me all the way. I do like I like some stuff off that Impera record. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, this last album that I think that was yeah that was Impera last year, 2022. Mm-hmm. I picked that up when it was new, and there was five I found really strong songs on it that I thought were really good, and were actually good enough to make it out of my iPod, but that's half an album. You know, the rest of it was kind of weird, and I didn't really get into it, but, you know, that's a lot of bands for me. What I love, I love, and what I don't like, I just leave it off the iPod and never listen to it again. So we've got Def Leppard and Ghost collaborating, and Michael Sweet and King Diamond taking photos together. It must be the apocalypse. Well, it seems like it some days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. All right, well, you want to take a quick break and do my segment? All right, let's do some rock star birthdays. We're going to skip a little bit because of where we left off last time, I guess, I think. I'm trying to remember. So, All right, let's do some rock star birthdays here on the Decibel Geek Podcast, Geek Wire. We gotta take some time to celebrate some people. Let's see what we got here on the list. Let's see, on the seventeenth, Kid Rock turns fifty-two. We're all getting old. Yeah, only a few years older than us. Kid Rock, you know, he's living here in Tennessee with us. Yep. Let's see who else. Also on the, well, I got three on the seventeenth. These are three names you would normally not put together. Kid Rock, 
Kai Hansen from from uh, Halloween, yeah, turned sixty, and Mick Taylor from the Stones turned seventy four. Damn, there's a reality TV show, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Keith Richards will outlive them all, probably. Yeah, all everybody on this list. No. Nope. Uh, let's see. On the 18th, celebrating his 52nd birthday, also Jonathan Davis from Corn. Here's here's a lady probably best known for singing backup vocals on Gene Simmons' 1978 solo album, turning 69 this year. Katie Segal <laughs> on the 19th. <laughs> best known for that. Well, I mean, she was on some pretty awesome TV shows too. I guess. Yeah, a couple, including Married with Children, Son, Peg Bundy, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome, man. I always liked her. Yeah. Let's see, also on a bunch on the 19th, David Johansson from the New York Dolls and Buster Poindexter. I'll never understand that. He turned 73. Wow. I knew about Buster Poindexter before I knew about the New York Dolls. That's sad. Uh, same here. I remember from uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Like, I was in the Phonolux not too long ago talking to our friend Scott and was looking at the New York Dolls CDs, and Buster Poindexter was in there with them. Because they, they do it cool over there. They put stuff together that, you know, isn't necessarily alphabetical, but still connected. Mm. And I had to laugh, you know, it's like Buster Poindexter. I can't even get my mind around that this is the same guy that was the lead singer of the New York Dolls. Yeah. Let's see. Also on the 19th celebrating birthday, the original singer of Deep Purple, Rod Evans. You know, I discovered recently that after Deep Purple, Rod Evans was in a band called Captain Beyond. I've heard of them, but I've never listened to them. Well, I'm going to be listening to them because I found two of their CDs. Like, right after I discovered that, I was like, Captain Beyond, huh? And then the next time I was out CD hunting, I found two of the CDs. I was like, well, it looks like I'm going to check this out. Hmm. Let's see. Oh, the queen of heavy metal music in 2023, turning 77 this year, Dolly Parton. I thought you were going to say uh, Lita Ford, and I was like, damn, she's old. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we must now accept Dolly Parton into the world of rock and metal. I guess so. I guess we'll wait and see what that album turns out to be, and then we'll decide. Uh, so far, they've she's got a lot of great guests on it, but it looks like it's going to be just covers of pretty obvious songs. Yeah, no, that's too bad. I would like to see... I mean, because she's such a great songwriter, has been doing it for so long. I would have enjoyed to see what she would have come up with if she wrapped her mind around doing a hard rock album, what that would have been. I mean, if you think about what a great songwriter she is, she should be able to write great metal songs, right? I was waiting for like a death metal growl from Dolly, but I guess we're not going to get that. (laughs) And then the next day they went around Nashville and took down all her posters and paintings. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, one of my personal favorite guitar players of all time on the 20th turns 57, Tracy Guns. That's cool. And a bunch on the 20th. Very cool people. Uh, Paul Stanley even turning 71 on the 20th of January. Mm. The star child. The star elderly. <laughs> Music from the elderly. <laughs> Happy 71st birthday, Paul Stanley. <laughs> I am just an old man. Uh, let's see. Our old friend Sean Animalize Irwin, one of the original writers for the Decibel Geek website, turn in. Uh, well, I don't know how old he is, but I know his birthday is on the 20th. Mm, happy birthday. And uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess that's about as far as we'll go for birthdays this time. Oh, 
Oh, no, not yet. Because, let me see. Where is it? Oh, shit. I fucked that all up. Fucked that all up. I'm reading off at the beginning of January. Not the beginning of February. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, now let me see where I'm supposed to actually be. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Shit. All right, how about some rock star birthdays? (laughs) We'll start out on, uh, let's see, we'll go back a few days because we got to wrap up the end of January. Got a whole bunch on the 27th. Mike Patton from Faith No More turns 55. Yannick Gares from Judas Priest, 66. Thought that guy was a little younger than that, but if you look look at his career, he's been doing stuff for a long time, like almost as long as Priest has. So he's been a colleague of theirs for a long many years. Uh, turning 72 this year, famous Thin Lizzy drummer Brian Downey on the 27th also. Uh, Nick Mason from Pink Floyd recently did the whole Pantheon podcast contest where people got to meet him and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. His birthday also on the 27th, he turned 72, no, 79. And probably the most awesome person celebrating a birthday on the 27th, our very own Mighty K, Kristen Schembeck, the queen of the 1%. Yes. Turning uh, 26, right? We love Kristen. Huge supporter of Decibel Geek Podcast for many years. You know, this has always been kind of a sausage party, so it's always interesting to me when the ladies actually catch on and understand us. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Kristen understands us. Yeah, you are few, but you're mighty. Mighty, mighty K. Look forward to seeing her at Rockin' Pod, along with a lot of our other friends. Yep. Let's see, on the 28th, celebrating his 60th birthday, Dan Spitz, the old-time guitarist from Anthrax. Making watches nowadays? Yeah, I was going to say, and famous watchmaker. Yeah, I guess. That's a hell of a skill either way. So that's cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, friend of the show, longtime listener, Michael Hembry, number one Eric Carr fan, celebrating a birthday on the 28th. On the 29th, handsome Dick Manitoba, one of the greatest names in rock and roll. And one of the one of the least true ones, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean... If my name was Richard, I'd want to be known as Handsome Dick also. <laughs> what a great name. He's turning 69. Tommy Ramone celebrates a birthday on the 29th. He's turning 71. Well, he would uh, have. Or, yeah, would have. That's right. I forgot to put a little star next to his name. This thing is complicated. Too complicated for me, and I created it. <laughs> Here's another one that would have been celebrating a birthday on the 30th. Would have been his 76th from Humble Pie, Steve Marriott. Yep. Passed away a long time ago. Longtime friend of the show, an all-around awesome dude, Greg McGlone, celebrating a birthday on the 30th as well. Awesome. Let's see who else we got. We got a bunch this time. It's cool. Um, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols is turning 67. Can you believe that? I can't believe he's still alive. Yeah. And then we get up to the first, and there's a bunch on the first. Some good friends of ours, too. E.T. Brown, he did the Blonder Than Hell shows here in Nashville. Nashville hometown hero, E.T. Brown, celebrating a birthday on the 1st. Our good friends, a couple of them right here. Rob Harris, 
who's been over to the house and recorded with us a little bit for some VIP one time, uh, celebrating a birthday on the first, and also a longtime friend of ours, Wayne Cross, celebrating a birthday on the first. Happy birthday, guys. On the second, here's a guy I'm really hoping to see at Rockin' Pod this year. We haven't seen him in a long time. We met him down at the Atlantic Kiss Expo many years ago. Taekwondo master. Kick your ass with a smile. Jason Morris. Love that guy. We've met a lot of cool people doing this show over the years. Jason Morris is absolutely one of the coolest and probably one of our more revered friends worldwide, even outside of the circles of rock and roll. This guy is pretty damn well known for great reason. Not only was he an amazing competitor and an awesome teacher, but just an all-around good guy and a true rock and roller. Really looking forward to hopefully seeing him at Rockin' Pod this year. That would be great. Let's see, who else can we celebrate this week? Dave Davies from the Kinks is turning 76 on the 3rd. Neil Bogart would have been 80 this year mm. had he lived. He's celebrating his birthday also on the 3rd. Richie Kotzen, probably best known as the guitarist in Poison. Mm, or the winery dog. Right <laughs> no, Richie Kotzen's done a lot of cool stuff. I'm just teasing. But I still do like that Poison album, even though it's so unpoison-like. But if you want to hear more of that, go in the archives and check out our best and worst of Poison. That was a fun episode. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, we were talking about him a little bit earlier. Alice Cooper, the Coop, celebrating a birthday on the 4th. Alice Cooper turned 75 this year, still out there kicking ass. Yep, blowing, blowing people off the stage like always. Yep, and that's one thing that's a constant, always. I love it. Let's see, celebrating a birthday on the 5th, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses turns 59. And then the very next day, Axl Rose turns 61. It's a Guns N' Birthday party. Uh, let's see, who can we wind this out with? How about this? couple of birthdays on the 7th, Wes Borland from Limp Bizkit, the guitarist, turns 48. Sully Erna from Godsmack turns 55. Dave Bryan from Bon Jovi turns 61. And we'll wrap it up with this, Vince Neil. Born in 1961, celebrating birthday on February 8th. And that's where we'll wrap up birthdays this week. So if you see those people on the streets or online, wish them a happy birthday. Now, let's take a look and see who it is we really need to remember this week. We don't have too many, but we got some pretty important ones. Back in 1979, on February 2nd, the world lost... One crazy dude, Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols. That's a crazy story, too. Yeah, died super young. And yeah, the the whole thing with him and his wife or girlfriend, or girlfriend, Nancy Spongin, that's a messed up story all the way around. Yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. You'll end up like Sid Vicious, dead way too young. Yep. Let's see, back in 1982, on the 4th, we lost the sensational Alex Harvey, kind of a precursor to Kiss. I think he was a guy that Kiss kind of looked at and said, this guy's doing some crazy stuff that's outside the box. Maybe we could do some stuff too. Yep. Painted his face, all that good stuff. And if you ever get a chance to check out some of his music, there's some really good stuff in there. Like this last year, I found a couple of sensational Alex Harvey CDs and listened to them. And I was like, I had no idea how good this stuff was because it's... Pretty awesome. Yeah. Let's see. Back in 1998, on 
February 5th, we lost original Slaughter guitarist Tim Kelly. That's that one. Yeah, way too young. Was it a car accident? Yeah. Yeah, I met him one time, and he was just, just the super nicest guy. We met him at a show at a place called the Checkered Flag in Appleton, Wisconsin, and me and my buddy Jason, it was one of those shows that had a bunch of bands on it, and Slaughter was one of them. And somewhere in between, we ended up crossing paths with Tim Kelly, and he just shot the shit with us for quite a while, you know, just bullshitting about whatever, you know, and took the time to hang out with us, and we didn't have nothing for him to autograph or sign or even to sign with, so we only had the pleasure of talking with him, but I'll never forget it all these years later, and that was a real bummer when he died. I remember that because it was like, man, we just met that guy not too long ago, and he was super cool. Yeah. So rock out some slaughter this week and remember Tim Kelly. In 2018, on February 7th, the world lost Pat Torpe. Torpe. And they're still trying to replace him. With Alex Van Halen. With Alex Van Halen. I think he'd approve. All right, then on the 8th, this is one maybe not a lot of people have heard of, but pretty cool guy. Talking about Tony Destra passed away in 1987. He was the original drummer of Britney Fox. But as far as like that Philadelphia, New Jersey area out there, this guy had done a lot of stuff and was very, very respected. And what he his was a car crash too, right? Yeah, it's a it's a fucked up story. And yeah, you can read about it online. I've I've read interviews about it. They had just played a gig and. It was like the car like burst into flames. It was terrible. Awful. But yeah, amazing drummer. I mean, people still to this day talk about how good he was and how sad it was that he got cut short because he might have been one of the guys that gets mentioned in conversations all the time when you talk about the best hard rock drummers. Like that was his trajectory. Like Brittany Fox was probably going to be a stepping stone for him to do bigger and better things later on. But like you said, died way too young and never really had a chance to fulfill that destiny. So that's that's always a sad thing. You know, you think about that, tomorrow's never promised, no matter how awesome or talented you are. Mm-hmm. And we'll go up to the ninth. This one's a little personal for me. Back in twenty twenty two, we lost a lady named Betty Davis. And I'm not talking about Betty Davis eyes or Betty Davis the old actress. I'm talking about a lady who was pretty well known in the 70s and was somebody I discovered when I started falling in love with the music of Parliament Funkadelic and then started looking into other bands of that era that mixed funk and rock. And Betty Davis was a lady that, oh man, it's her music is so cool because it's funky, but yet it's heavy, but it's kind of bluesy. She's an amazing singer. She's got a style and an attitude about her that is a little bit dirty, you know? She's, she's uh, boy, I don't know how to describe it other than outside of, like, sexy, and she can't contain it, and it's in her music, and it's awesome. So if you guys look up some Betty Davis from the 70s, you're going to be glad you did because she's amazing. And she got to live to be a nice old lady and passed away in 2022, but... Her legacy lives on. Even metalheads like myself can discover this stuff and be like, wow, I would have had no idea. But yeah, I love Betty Davis. I listen to that all the time now. 
I've never even heard of her. She's awesome. She looks like she could be on a spaceship, like from outer space. Like she could be from Jendel. I don't know. <laughs> it's quite possible. But those are the people to remember. You know, check you out some Betty Davis. Listen to some old Britney Fox, some old Mr. Big. You got to bust out that slaughter or ripping guitar at Tim Kelly. Man, I still miss that guy, Alex Harvey, and even some Sex Pistols with Sid Vicious. So we've looked to the past and we've looked to the current. Now let's take a moment to look to the future. Don't have a whole lot of new stuff coming out, and I might be missing things because I'm not 100% up on things, but I'm trying. I'm trying. So coming out on the 27th, you get new music from the Smashing Pumpkins. This one's called Atom Act 2. And what this is, it's been described as kind of a sequel to Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which is probably Smashing Pumpkins' most acclaimed album. It's a three-part rock opera. The first album came out on the 15th of January. The third album is expected on April 21st. But these aren't EPs. These are full-length studio albums you're getting. And Smash Pumpkins are putting them out back to back to back. They've got the same lineup outside of the, uh, what's her name, Rexy Darcy. Or, was that her name? Darcy, yeah. Darcy, yeah, something like that. Marcy Darcy. <laughs> I don't know. But it's the line the same lineup as that era, except for her. They got the guy that's been playing guitar for Smash Pumpkins for a long time. And Jimmy Chamberlain's in there and uh James Iha is also in the band. So I mean if it's kind of in the vein of what they were doing on Melancholy, I think that's something I want to check out because Smash Pumpkins is another one of those bands for me where fifty percent of their stuff I don't understand. But the other 50% I like a lot. So it should be interesting. Also coming out on that same day, the 27th is a big day for music coming out. You've got the 25th studio album from British rock legends, Uriah Heep. That's right. Uriah Heep's still out there, still kicking, still creating new music. Their new album's called Chaos and Color. And looking into this a little bit, Man, this album's getting some really, really great reviews. Hmm. So that's something I'm definitely going to be checking out because I like Uriah Heep. When I was young, I didn't know nothing about them. And then as I got a little bit older, they were just one of those 70s bands that got lost in the shuffle. And then all these years later, I start kind of picking out stuff from around their career and find their stuff on each album that I like. So, I mean, these reviews are all really good. Like They're talking like this may be the best thing they've ever done. Here it's their 25th studio album. I loved them when they, I saw them open for Priest a couple of years back. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Heap's a great man. Very underrated. And then, let's see, on the 27th also. So these are all out already at this point when we're recording this. Um, the fourth studio album from Louisville Power Pop Rockers, White Reaper. Now, White Reaper is another one of these bands we talked about we talked about Crowbot a couple of weeks ago when we did our best of 2022 episode and about how these guys were podcast darlings at one time and how it's important to stick with these bands. This is the fourth studio album by White Reaper. And I remember back in 2017, these guys were podcast darlings in our circles. You're like Everybody was talking about the album, the world's best American band at that time. And it's cool to know this band is still around. So if you were giving them the love back in 2017, 
You can pick right up where you left off in 2023 with their new album, Asking for a Ride. And I'm looking forward to that, too, because I dig that band. They got, they're kind of like Heavy Cheap Trick a little bit to me, and I dig that. And then I got two more we'll round out for this time. Dream Theater is coming out with a new album of demos from 2019 called Distance Over Time Demos. If you're a huge, huge Dream Theater fan, I feel like you'd probably need to know that. And then on the 10th, this is a band that Rock and Ron Runyon used to talk about all the time. And we never really, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, you know, we'd, he'd make us listen to it. We'd say, oh, you know, that's pretty good. But never really got past the name or really got into him too much. But they've been sticking it out all these years. I'm talking about Norwegian Rockers back with their sixth studio album, Wigwam. Oh, yeah. I like some of their stuff. They, one of their last records was one of my favorites of that year. Yeah, it's a, it really is a good band. Ron was totally right about them. And I think most recently they got a lot of love for the HBO Max show Peacemaker. Their song, Do You Want to Taste It, is the theme song for that show. So that got them a lot of recognition. And, yeah, they are a straightforward rock band. You know, if you are into the same kind of Sunset Strip 80s rock stuff that we love, then you probably want to check out the album Out of the Dark, which comes out on February 10th. Oh, and that's as far as we'll go this time. That is your Rockstar birthdays, Rockstar death days, and albums to look forward to coming out your way soon. Cool, cool. All right. So Metallica, with their upcoming album, 72 Seasons, will be doing a global premiere in movie theaters worldwide for one night only. It'll be Thursday, March 2nd. And uh, you can get the tickets at Metallica.film. And uh, I don't know how this is going to work. How do you debut an album at a movie theater? Uh, Maybe they're doing videos for all the songs or something. Possibly. Or it's just like uh, a worldwide listening party. I guess this must be before the album actually drops. Yeah, it's like the month before, it looks like. That'd be pretty cool, I think. You know, especially if you go to one of them theaters like we go to for Rockin' Pod, where you can drink beer. I need to look into this more, because maybe there's somewhere close that's going to be doing that. That'd be cool. I would definitely be interested in seeing that, I think. Because it'd be fun, because you'd be there with a bunch of other metalheads that care about the music enough to go to something like that. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at the site now. It doesn't... They don't have the locations right now but uh i'll sign up for it maybe we'll see if if we can oh no it actually says thursday april 13th tickets go on sale on march 2nd that's what's going on oh man so that's i was just thinking oh man i can picture you and me at that thing handing out flyers for rock and pod <laughs> but that'll be a little too late yeah we will then but yeah i'll check into that that'd be kind of a fun thing to go to that would be pretty cool. Maybe bring the Zoom recorder and talk to people about their favorite band, Metallica. Because, I mean, if you're going and doing something like that on a Thursday night, you got to be a pretty hardcore fan. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that record. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the two songs they released already are killer. And I'm stoked, man. It's going to be a good year. So, see, you added this uh, next one. Uh, Vince Neil performing Motley Crue Classics at Coachella. I am never going to bag on Vince Neil no more. These videos show Vince Neil moving around, looking pretty good, looking 
mostly healthy compared to you know what you've seen in past years of Vince Neil, and his voice sounds great. Huh. He's got a great band, and he's killing it. I don't know what the difference is. Does he feel better when he's by himself with his own band? Is he more comfortable? Maybe. People have always said, you know, oh, Vince Neil, he's fat, and he can't sing. But, I mean, if you watch these videos from Coachella, he's putting in the effort, and he sounds pretty damn good. Mm. So I am off the bandwagon of bagging on Vince Neil. You sure it's not he's a tape a- machine? I don't think so. I don't think a tape machine could keep up with Vince Neil or, or vice versa. Oh, man. He's got a great solo band, man. Got Dana Strum on drums, got that Zolt or uh, Dana Strum on bass, got that Zoltan on drums. And is it who plays guitar for him? Jeff Blando. It, it's Slaughter without yeah. Mark, Mark Slaughter. Yeah. I mean, they sound great. Yep. And he looks like he's having fun. Maybe it's just not as much work. Maybe it's easier when you don't have to be around Nikki Six. You know, maybe it just puts you in a better mindset. Yeah. I don't know, but I will from here on forward not be picking on Vince Neil no more unless he goes back to his former ways. But <laughs> this is what I kind of been waiting for all these years because I've been a fan of Molly Crew and Vince Neil since I was young. I've always loved Vince Neil's vocals because he's so unique and different from anybody else. He's one of those singers. As soon as you hear him, you know who it is automatically. Psh, easy. That's Vince Neil. Right. Nobody sounds like him. And for a long time, you know, he's kind of let himself go. Had to say, you know, was talking about having a fight to get back into shape to go do the big tour with crew. And people speculated that he wasn't going to be able to do it and that he's fat and he can't sing. And I mean, psh, the video's the proof, man. Vince Neil looking and sounding good. Good for Vince. Um, in other Motley Crue news, uh, they held their first rehearsal with new touring guitarist John Five on January 23rd in preparation for the upcoming shows with Def Leppard overseas. And a short time later, Nikki Six took to his Twitter and wrote, Well, that was fucking epic. John Five walks into rehearsal and we just ripped the set from top to bottom seamlessly. That took 90 minutes. And then the next few hours, we just laughed and told dumb rock star war stories. So uh, I don't know that John Five even needed a rehearsal other than them trying to rehearse to keep up with him. Yeah, that's that's it right there. Yeah, I mean, you hire John Five, if he knows the set list, he's going to come knock it out with one hand tied behind his back. And that's playing guitar. That's, John, that's how good John <laughs> Five is. And, you know, what more... What less, what anything would you expect from John Five? You know, of course he's going to nail it. Even if he didn't give him the set list, he could probably still do it. Yeah. I mean, they're in good hands with him. I, to me, it's not really Motley without Mick, but, you know, for those that are going to the shows, you, uh, you have nothing to worry about in the guitar department. That's for sure. No, no. He was the best choice for sure out of just about anybody out there that you could choose to fill the shoes of Mick Mars. Who else but John Five? I mean, you can't go wrong. He's going to be amazing. And he fits the description of what you'd want out of Motley Crue, something with a little theatrics, somebody that's cool to look at, somebody that's got some stage presence, and somebody that can freaking wail at the same time and nail every lick, every solo, every riff that there is to nail. John Five is the guy. So if you're planning on going to see Motley Crue, it's probably going to be awesome. Vince Neil's sounding great. And John Five's going to be kick-ass, so you're in good hands. 
Uh, one story that came out today, <clears throat> and I hate covering this uh, entity, but uh, I think it's kind of funny. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has issued a new statement defining what rock music means. So in case you didn't know, they're going to educate you. Oh, great. They're changing definitions now, huh? Yeah. Or, or making uh, us aware of the changes they've already made? Pretty much. Uh the quote goes, rock and roll has had deep roots, deep, deep roots in rhythm and blues and country music, not defined by any one genre, but rather a sound that moves, moves youth culture. Oh, and now the revised mission, that was what they said like a year ago. Um, the revised mission statement expands on to say, born from the collision of rhythm and blues, country and gospel, rock and roll is a spirit that is inclusive and ever changing. It celebrates the sound of youth culture and honors the artist whose music connects us all. In my opinion, the translation for this is we want to continue to appear hip and sell lots of tickets to our induction ceremonies. So we're going to put in whoever the fuck we want to. Right. Yeah. And when they say it's youth orientated, it's basically saying, hey, you old fucks doing your podcast. This ain't for you no more. Yeah. This rock and roll isn't what you say it is. It's what we're going to. Change the definition to be. Yeah. So I, I look forward to, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and Garth Brooks getting nominated for this next Yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. Those guys will be in first ballots. So fucking by stupid. By the description of that. Pretty lame. Why not just change the name to Music Hall of Fame? You wouldn't have you to should. deal with any of this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, too, because like I said, you know, I, at my job, I spend some time, sometimes at the Country Music Hall of Fame, and I see cool little rock and roll things dispersed out throughout the place. Yeah. But they're not inducting Alice Cooper and Ozzy Osbourne either. Right. So, I mean, there's a difference. If you're the Country Music Hall of Fame, you don't induct Judas Priest, you don't induct Kiss, and, you know, people understand that. You know, Kiss fans don't rally and say, hey, why isn't Kiss in the Country Music Hall of Fame, you know? Country was gave roots to rock, and so rock bands should be in there. Nobody says that, you know. And uh, but yet for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's like, oh, you have to let everybody in. Well, then, what makes it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Originally, if you look at that first lineup of them first years, and we've done this on the show where we broke down the inductions in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, yes, there's definitely rhythm and blues and gospel and even country that have influenced and warped and changed. I mean, if Tony Iommi wasn't listening to the blues, there wouldn't have been no Black Sabbath. You know, he found a way to take that and make it heavy, you know, and turn it into rock or metal. But, I mean, to call it the Rock Hall of Fame, it should be rock. And you're right. If you just would say, all right, look, we're not going to change the definitions of things that you already know what they are and expect you to believe that we are, have the power to change these definitions. We're going to change the definition of what we are, and we're just going to call ourselves the Music Hall of Fame. And then nobody bitches. Right. Nobody complains. We don't say, oh, you know, whoever, Wu-Tang Clan or whatever, don't belong in the Music Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, some people might still say that, but there's no argument to say, well, that's not rock because it's music. And then it's it doesn't matter. Then it's all open. So if you're going to be like that, do it. But you're not going to see nobody bitching that Ozzy's not in the Country Hall of Fame. Or, I mean, I got to imagine there's probably a hip-hop Hall of Fame somewhere. Hey, is Bruce Dickinson in that? You know? <laughs> Paul Stanley should be in that for all hell's breaking loose. 
That's well, yeah. He has the breeze. Cool as the breeze. Wouldn't it be funny though if like the truth was that the, the nominating committee was just trolling everybody this whole time just to fuck with him? <laughs> hey, put Dolly Parton in this me. year. Ah! Well, if that was the case, they'd have probably put Kissin on their first year of eligibility. Yeah, probably. Just to really fuck with everybody that wasn't us. We'd love it. Everybody else would be like, what? Well, I, I'm not going to take the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame seriously until the Killer Dwarfs get their just due. Damn right. <laughs> and if they need any uh, assistance or understanding of how this really works, I recommend them to check out those couple of episodes we did about them. Mm. And they will know exactly where they've gone wrong. Induct tough into the Hall of Fame today. That's right. All right. So, well, and then Stevie Rochelle could be a double nominee and then go in with cheeseheads with attitude. I agree. Yeah. 100%. Stevie Nicks has nothing on him. This is why we do the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard hitting journalism here. Well, speaking of hard-reading journalism, one of the last stories we have today is um, a news story that was culled from a home video that Guns N' Roses released in 1993. How is that? Wow. So I guess Axl Rose gave it. So I never had the uh, vi- home video called November Rain making, fun- making fucking videos that came out in 1993. Did you have this? No. Okay, so... I guess there's an interview with Axl Rose on that video, and he says that, talking about the song November Rain, Tommy Lee was the major influence on that song. It was the first time I saw Home Sweet Home, and watching the part of doing the piano, it made me realize that I could take what I did know about piano and focus it into something simple but very serious, because I think the part that he does on Home Sweet Home is beautiful. It's very simple, but it's the right part. That's the approach I took to November Rain. That's what got me started. I saw that video, then shut off the TV and started on November Rain. So uh, Tommy Lee is at fault for November Rain. Yeah. Well, if Motley Crue can use pianos, why can't we? Yep. Because those metalheads can get away with it. Anybody should be able to. It was interesting with Motley Crue influencing Guns N' Roses. I mean, timeline-wise, it makes sense. And then when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense because... I mean, that's probably one of the first, if you talk about like the beginning of that style of metal being popular, being Quiet Riot, and then Rat, Motley Crue, Motley Crue was one of the first bands to incorporate a kind of piano part mm-hmm. into a rock song, and it became a massive hit, you know, ar- arguably their biggest hit, and so that was everywhere, and so when it's got piano in it, that means now the girls can like it too. At that time, Guns N' Roses, they were these dirty, sleazy, homeless drug addicts. The ladies weren't going to dig that. You guys need some piano. Look what Tommy Lee's doing. Bringing Motley Crue to another level. Now the ladies are into it, too. And there you go. November Rain was a song that if the girls weren't turned on by Sweet Child of Mine and Paradise City, well, November Rain pulled them right in with the rest of us. And Tommy Lee never challenged uh, Axel to a fight on MTV, so they're cool. Huh. Yeah, that is kind of funny. You think about that, like Axel Rose and Vince Neil were so, you know, they were going to fight each other. That was a big news story, but Tommy Lee was the fist fighter. Surprised he never got in on any of that action. He just beat you up with his dong. <laughs> Yeah. 
And again, this is why we do the news. <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. Bong. All right, last story. Not much of a story, but interesting, I guess. Uh, congrats to Bon Jovi. The video for Living on a Prayer has passed YouTube's 1 billion play mark. Wow. So that is their most popular song then, huh? Oh, yeah, easily. All these years later, all these albums later, even you know, Bad Medicine and the Young Guns song, nothing tops Living on a Prayer. Yeah, and the other, <clears throat> some of the other billion viewed videos on YouTube include Linkin Park's Numb, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, Audio Slaves Like a Stone, Red Hot wow. Chili Peppers Californication, and as previously mentioned, Guns N' Roses Sweet Child of Mine and November Rain. Yeah. Most popular songs in the whole freaking world. Yep. Bon Jovi right there with them. That's no surprise to me. Little surprised that Audio Slaves Like a Stone has that many plays. That's one popular song, though. You know, you hear it on radio still all the time as if it was some brand new thing. But yeah, it's a, that's the, I guess that's the most modern. That one in the Lincoln Bark song. Uh, yeah. And, well, California Cajun. God, that's. Hmm. That's another one. You're going to hear it. All these songs. Well, except for Living on a Prayer. Like, even the maybe classic rock probably plays the shit out of that. I hear it once in a while, but not nearly as much as some of these other ones. Yeah. I never need to hear Bohemian Rhapsody ever again. You know what? Here's a little something that I recently kind of noticed. You know, I spend a lot of time at Home Depot because of my job. And it got me thinking about whoever it is that programs the music to play at the Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Is doing a hell of a job. <laughs> like, I've heard multiple Kiss songs. Obviously, Rock and Roll All Night, Detroit Rock City, and Shout It Out Loud. But, I mean, that's more than you're going to hear anywhere else on a PA system. And then they're playing Guns N' Roses, but they're playing, uh, they playing Civil War. Really? And I'm always amazed by what's playing when I'm in the Home Depot. It's like, you know what? This is a better radio station than most. So whoever's doing that job at Home Depot Corporate, keep it up. You put me in the mood to buy and use power tools. So now you can say Eric Camaro is like, never going to believe this awesome band I heard at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> keep my ears open when I'm in there, you know, buying lumber in case I pick up on something for fresh blood next time. Buy some lumber and rock your, rock your shit out. Yeah. Pretty cool, though. Mm, that's all i got for this week have you caught the latest episode of j pearl tv where jizzy pearl's on there talking about dio no i have not the latest episode of j pearl tv right now on youtube featuring your creepy uncle jizzo talking about his time with ronnie james dio and a lot of stuff i never even realized like how intermingled those two have been over the years jizzy pearl met him when he was very very young and toured with him like three or four times and then of course at the end he was remember the headliner for the hologram mm. <laughs> so the history of ronnie james dio and the band love hate and jizzy pearl are very intertwined more than i ever realized i'll definitely have to watch that i i'm interested to see what he says and that's the thing I love about that, because you don't have to necessarily be a love-hate fan, which I am, a huge one, but the stories he tells about the Sunset Strip, 
or Ronnie James Dio or what it was like being a band at that time or the crash pad that was also their rehearsal house and just stories like that take you to a time and a place that I wasn't but I'm super interested in and he's an amazing storyteller I'm a big fan of his YouTube channel right now because he's been putting out some really cool stuff and that Ronnie James Dio discussion blew my mind so if you're into that kind of stuff which if you're listening to this you are you ought to check that out I definitely will that sounds cool all right, so there you have it. That's your Geek Wire for the week. All the latest and greatest. The good, the bad, the stupid, the ridiculous. We've covered it all here today. And uh, we'll be back for, uh, I guess, more episodes. Hey, don't forget to check out Pantheon Podcasts. They support us, so you should support them. They are the main sponsors at Rockin' Pod this year. If you don't know about Rockin' Pod, I'm about to change your life. Go to rockandpod.com. And then come party with us in March. It's going to be a good time. And it's right around the corner. So we're hoping to see a lot of people there. So there you have it. That's GeekWire for this week. See ya. It's NFL draft season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.